from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So we reached out to the city to ask why they're doing this. Quote, the city is requesting the court apply existing federal law and makes no request to expand qualified immunity. In mediation, the city... Walk us through your response to this. That's a lie. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that is a... You can argue about the qualified immunity. Typically, I don't talk about what happens during a settlement negotiation. If they want to have a conversation with me, I will. This idea that we walked from the table is a joke. This idea that there's higher amounts of money is a joke. The brains behind this litigation during this current administration is the same person who titled a chapter of his book, The Cloud Cuckoo Land of Radical Feminism. I'm Sarah Fenske. Last month, the 8th District Court of Appeals weighed in on a case out of St. Louis. The lawsuit focused on police actions during the 2017 protests that followed former officer Jason Stockley's not guilty verdict. A man named Brian Bowdy sued after being one of more than 100 people who'd been swept up in a kettling action by the St. Louis police. The city had sought dismissal of Bowdy's lawsuit, arguing that police officers enjoy what's called qualified immunity for their on-the-job conduct. The U.S. District Court judge disagreed. He said Bowdy's suit could go forward. The city appealed. And last month, the appellate court ruled for Bowdy. The justices said the facts, as presented, indicated that the lawsuit should not be dismissed. But last week, the city appealed a second time. They now want the appeals court to reconsider and to bring on its entire roster of judges, if need be. And joining us now to share more about what's happening is Javad Kazali. He is a partner at the law firm Kazali Wersh. Javad, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. So start us out here by helping us understand the roots of this lawsuit. Your client is Brian Bowdy. How did he get swept up by the St. Louis police? So Brian Bowdy at the time was a lieutenant colonel um, in the U.S. military, and he lives down on Washington Avenue. And the night of the kettle, that's what we call when the police surrounded people, there was um, some property destruction downtown about three hours earlier. And that's actually the same night that infamously the same group of police officers beat up St. Louis police officer Luther Hall and ended his career. So after all of that was done, um, a lot of people, you know, the, the U2 was supposed to have a concert downtown. There were a lot of people out for dinner. There were some protesters that were still milling about. But a lot of people like Mr. Bowdy and some of our other clients were walking around to just see what happened. And he gets out there. He sees the police. He actually approaches the police and says, is there anything I can do to help? Instead, they surround him with the other people. They pepper spray him. They beat him up. And he sues. You know, they kept him locked up for almost 24 hours. They took him over to the jail. Yep, with zip ties hard around his hands for up to six hours, couldn't move his fingers, you know, and they charged him. And they eventually decided not to go forward with the charges, but the city's been fighting this tooth and nail ever since. And 
we were pretty much taken aback by last week's um, filing. Mm -hmm. So he had been suing, saying his rights were violated by what happened that night. And the city has been trying to get out from under this lawsuit by using this doctrine of qualified immunity. Give us the most crash of crash courses in what that means. So qualified immunity is a judicially made doctrine that basically says we're going to give police the benefit of the doubt. We know that often things that police do is, are very difficult. We have to make split-second decisions. And for a police officer to be held liable, they have to show one of two things. One, that what they did to the um, citizen was unconstitutional. And two, there's some court case ahead of time that explicitly says that that's unconstitutional. You can't just do this. They, they, sh they need to know that going in. Right, but the city, you know, this city councilor and their head of litigation, Bob Durker, have taken this pretty broad position. They're admitting that beating a person who is not breaking the law, is compliant, is listening to the police, is being nonviolent. They admit that beating somebody like that is unconstitutional, and it's well known that it's unconstitutional. What they're arguing is, but nobody ever told us we can't do it during a protest. And that's the position that they're taking. And when they took this second appeal on Friday, the term that they keep using is this is something of national importance. Bob Durkers told us that he, the city is willing to take this to the U.S. Supreme Court to expand qualified immunity such that it'll be almost impossible to ever hold a police officer um, liable for anything that they do during a protest. And remember, the Eighth Circuit doesn't just cover St. Louis. It covers all the way up to Minnesota. All of the George Floyd cases would go away. And to say that we're shocked that the current city councilor, who was appointed by this mayor, has decided to use taxpayer money to expand qualified immunity, you know, there's a difference between going and saying, I'm going to litigate my case and make the strongest argument and then expanding qualified immunity. So we reached out to the city to ask why they're doing this, how this fits into what Mayor Tashara Jones has said about the need to reform the St. Louis Police Department. Here's a statement we got from her spokesman, Nick Dunn. Quote, the city is requesting the court apply existing federal law and makes no request to expand qualified immunity. In mediation, the city greatly increased its settlement offer beyond even comparable cases and have not received a response from opposing counsel. The city will continue to implement the Ahmad uh, consent decree. Since the decree was issued, neither the city nor the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department have been sued regarding protest cases. Now, they do make an important point here. This did happen on the watch of Mayor Lyda Cruson. Tashar Jones was not responsible for what happened that night. However, they are the ones litigating it. This is her city councilor at this point. Walk us through your response to this. That's a lie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that is a... You can argue about the qualified immunity, Typically, I don't talk about what happens during a settlement negotiation. The idea that they're offering us more money, I can tell you this, they offered us pennies on the dollar. We know that they've settled one case with a white man who was arrested during this time. His name um, is Drew Burbridge. They settled that for 115000 During these settlements, they told us, this city councilor told us that this case isn't worth nearly that much. And we were told that that was because they thought a Trump jury in the Eastern District would see black protesters and people involved in protests differently than a white person. This idea that they've offered us more money, I can tell you that is totally wrong. If they want to have a conversation with me, 
I will. I will also tell you that during the negotiation, the mediator asked them to make an offer. They refused and they walked. We even had one of our attorneys fly in from Madrid to meet with us. And at the end of this, she asked to talk to Sheena Hamilton. To Sheena sh- Hamilton is the city councilor appointed by Mayor Tashara right. Jones. And to shake Sheena's hand. And Sheena refused to do that. This idea that we walked from the table is a joke. This idea that there's higher amounts of money is a joke. We know that in St. Charles just settled a case involving three reporters who were tear gassed. They weren't arrested. They weren't beaten. They weren't zip tied. They settled that for 93000 This administration has settled one of these cases from the kettle for 115. Kansas City has settled a case in which a 14-year-old girl was tear gassed, was pepper sprayed by the police for 110. The idea that they're offering us money that's even close to that is a lie. I mean, and I, 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 I honestly, I'm utterly shocked by that statement. And when they say that they're not trying to expand qualified immunity, I'm just going to read to you from their filing. Rehearing in this case is required because the panel opinion raises questions of national importance in the context of policing mass civil disorder by analyzing defendants' claims of qualified immunity at a high level of generality to hold that each defendant can be individually liable. What, they've, what they're arguing is the officers can't be liable because they're just doing what their bosses told them to do. They're also arguing the bosses can't be liable because it was the officers who beat up the people. This idea that they're applying consistent federal law, the person who wrote this was a judge appointed by Donald Trump. This was a 3 nothing opinion. It was unanimous. The same issue has been in front of 10-ish judges in the Eastern District of Missouri. Every one of them has allowed this case to move forward. They are not trying to apply law. They're trying to make new law. And now they want to go back to the appellate court a second time. It's interesting to think about these tactics in terms of reporting that has happened at St. Louis Public Radio itself. Our own Bill Freivogel asked the mayor's chief of staff about how the city had played hardball on some previous cases involving police abuse. And her chief of staff, Jared Boyd, he said that Mayor Jones is taking steps to reconsider the city's legal position in cases like this. Uh, Boyd said there would be less consideration of the financial loss a case might mean for the city. Here's a quote. The new city councilor is going to be given a mandate to reconsider what winning looks like. It's not to say we shouldn't be cognizant of city resources, but that can't be the only thing. That's coming from Jared Boyd, the mayor's chief of staff. Do you think that's what's going on here in this case today? Nine days later, Sheena Hamilton became the city councilor. And I can tell you that anybody can go read the public filings. Anybody can go listen to the oral arguments and the arguments that this city councilor has been making. The city councilor has argued that beating somebody and pepper spraying them is a de minimis injury that shouldn't have any compensation. Jared Boyd is, I mean, one of the most honorable people I've ever met. Um, I believe Jared when he says this. Mm -hmm. I am hopeful that this has been a miscommunication. The statement that came from the city's spokesman, Nick Dunn, which this is the first time I've ever heard it, mm-hmm. if that's what the city councilor's office is telling them, they're not telling the mayor the truth. And somebody needs to do something about that. And I'm willing to talk to anybody, but this idea that I'm going to ta- that our team is going to take pennies on the dollar because some of our clients are black, not going to happen. 
So, Jared Boyd, when he talked about how the city's going to reconsider what it's doing, he alluded to this idea that they do have to be cognizant of city resources. Doesn't the city have a duty to protect taxpayers like me, like you? We live here. They arrested a whole bunch of people that night. Doesn't the city, to some extent, have to fight these cases? First of all, realize that the city's obligation is to the citizens. Okay? The people who are beaten were the citizens. What the city is doing right now is wasting taxpayer money protecting police officers who violated the constitutional rights of citizens. This idea that there should be a discount. Look, we're not, we've never asked for the moon. You know, we have seen what has been paid out in other cases. The idea that this city can pay a white man for the same night $115,000, and then claim that everybody else must take less than that, way less than that. And remember, these, the city paid Luther Hall, who was beaten that same night. This was their undercover officer. $5 million for getting beaten that night. And they're are currently out there saying that the lives of these protesters literally don't just matter less, they matter multiple times less. We have always been reasonable on this. We didn't walk from the table. City Councilor Sheena Hamilton walked from the table, you know, wouldn't shake our hands, left the room. I would ask Nick Dunn to go back to them and ask for specifics because this idea, I, I want to see the quote again, that they state that, that we increase the settlement beyond even comparable cases. The comparable cases are $115,000, $93,000, And you're saying you're not asking for more than that? Oh, I think that these are people who were beaten less than our people. But the idea that they were even within ballpark, you know, instead of being in downtown, they were in Chesterfield with their numbers. So this is something the city wants to take this back to the appellate court. They're asking for an on bank. I'm always mangling on my bonk. pronunciations. On bonk. This would basically be every justice that is in the 8th District would all sit there and hear this case all over again after you already got a ruling from the three-judge panel. What is at stake if the city gets its way and gets this suit thrown out? Well, remember, it's not just that. Bob Durker, you know, the former judge, has stated that he's willing to take this case to the U.S. Supreme Court. This would make it so anybody can read the filing, would make it so that police officers would be excused for anything that they do during a protest. They're basically saying protests are different. We need to give officers total immunity on this. And that's what they're asking for. So what you would see is all of the protesters who fought the killing of the murder that was done by Officer Stockley, they would be out of luck. All of the protesters who are suing the Minneapolis police and the Kenosha police, out of luck. Basically, any protest in America, police would be able to treat our citizens the same way the Russians are treating citizens who are out on the streets in Moscow right now. Or at least that would be the case in the Eighth Circuit, which includes, as you say, far more than St. Louis. That goes all the way up to Minnesota. But they've also told us that they're, if the Eighth Circuit doesn't agree with them, they're willing to take this to the Supreme Court. And this is coming from Robert Durker. Um, we should just mention here, um, this is a former judge in St. Louis. Um, he has written a book, The Tyranny of Tolerance, A Sitting Judge Breaks the Code of Silence to Expose the Liberal Judicial Assault. I know he gained some infamy for this book where 
where he called women feminazis. You think this is part of his agenda that the city is now carrying out? All I know is that the person who talks to us and who is the brains behind this litigation during this current administration is the same person who titled a chapter of his book, The Cloud Cuckoo Land of Radical Feminism. If you're going to tell me that this is the person who has decided that this is the game plan, it makes total sense to me why we've been treated like this, why our clients have been treated like this, why the city councilor's office has been taking these tactics. Well, Javad Kazali, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Javad is a partner at the law firm Kazali Warsh. Today's episode was produced by Sarah Fenske, with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.